the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But it was there. It was <laughs> morning, there Doc. For... Good morning. This is Dr. Bill. I got to stand by my side, and we're doing a show. We're doing radio, and we're streaming live. And how do I look, Ken? I can't see you this morning. I'm on something. I'm on a different screen, unfortunately, Doc. Oh, darn. Let me switch it over here. <laughs> what did he say? Let me switch it over here. There you are. Oh, hey, you're gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I feel good, too. <laughs> you got the Hawaiian shirt on again today. I like that. Well, no, this is the fishing shirt. Oh, it looks kind of Hawaiian. It's a tight shot. Hawaiian. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's a shoulder festive. shot. Tough to tell. Festive. Yeah, it's festive. Festive. Looks good. And in the background, I've got to, um, a, a still shot from Aruba when we were down there last year. And we just got back from Burlington, Vermont. Ooh, that must have been nice. Oh, beautiful country. Oh, my gosh. The, the Lake Champlain is gorgeous, and uh, uh, it's the fifth largest surface area lake in the United States. I did not know that. Did you get on the lake at all? Or six. We were right on it. We Our hotel looked our, our hotel room looked right on the lake, and we went down to the lake. We even took a boat ride, a dinner cruise, and uh, we drove up and down the lake a few times. We went down to Fort Ticonderoga, which if you remember, is where uh, uh, Ethan Allen and the Green Mountain Boys took over from the British, and uh, a lot of the um, or the artillery for the Revolutionary War was was from Fort Ticonderoga, which was originally French, then captured by the British in the uh, French and Indian War, and then by the Americans, and and then the guns were uh, the cannons were transported down to Washington and and his his gang. And uh, then uh, Ethan Allen thought that he could conquer Montreal, so which is not very far away, by the way. It's about an hour north of the border by car. And then, so he, he, then, must, then he made some furniture after that. Uh, yeah, he made well. He got caught up there, and then they sent him to Cornwall uh, as a prisoner of war in England. He was there for three years, and uh, then he was traded back by the uh, by the Continental Army, by the Continental Congress, for a high ranking. Um, uh, British officer, and so that's how he got home. And uh, he wrote a book about it. And we visited his home site and his little uh, his little uh, historical museum. Fascinating guy, fascinating guy. He morphed from uh, a highly religious Puritan to uh, kind of a deist, you know, where he believed in in the that there's a God, but that you get to it through logic and not through uh, religion or the Bible or anything else. So. He was an interesting guy. He got kicked out of a lot of places because he was kind of pugnacious and uh, his, uh, like me, his <laughs> his religious beliefs didn't necessarily fit in with the surroundings, which is how I felt up in in uh, Burlington. We actually got uh, asked not to come back to one restaurant because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like my politics and my humor. And uh, any rate, so he got was, kicked out of a restaurant. Well, they let us finish the meal. Well, that was nice of them. You had to pay your check, I imagine. Appreciate it. You didn't come back. 
Uh, Back and, to Florida uh, with you, sir. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, there was a family that came, and the the wife was originally from uh, Harbin, China, which is in Manchuria, Northeast China. And so I started chatting her up, and I said, "Well, yeah, you and the Koreans, you're the same bloodline." Oh no, no, I'm a Han. So uh, we had a little discussion, and actually, I did some research on it, and guess what? Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to tell looking at the spaghetti maps, but it looks like the and and the uh, mitochondrial DNA does link all of that uh, area together. Uh, the uh, the Mongolians, the uh, northern Chinese, the Han people, and uh, the Koreans and the Japanese and North American uh, quote quote natives or indigenous people. Nobody's indigenous, but that's okay. We'll go ahead and use that word. So. Uh, I think that she's correct in that saying that the uh, the big group that they dispersed from were called the Han, but it looks like that really they uh, a lot of that group came from Central Asia and migrated over. But it's hard to tell, and there's about three or four different studies going on that are trying to trace the genetics and see who goes where and does what. But there's been so much racial interbreeding that uh, you really can't tell anymore. It's uh, why such a a, a, a strong reaction to that. I, w- I would think that they're okay with the North Koreans and South Koreans over there, for well, the most yeah, part. But, but you know, the Han, the, the the especially the Northern Chinese, they see themselves as a very distinct uh, ethnic group, and uh, they call themselves the Middle Kingdom. You know why? No, I don't know. Because they see themselves as halfway between heaven and earth, they think they're well above the rest of us. Okay, I've been yeah, I've been with those people at airports. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but uh, the 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 Koreans actually call themselves the Han people, Han Gugans. Huh. So that the the name literally means the Han people, and so uh, you know you really can't tell that much difference between all the ethnic groups, but. In a in in a bout of her, I understand what she's saying, and um, you know I back down somewhat. Well, when you're in a northern state, probably a good idea. Yeah. So at any rate, uh, Burlington is very woke, and there are signs in some of the restaurant windows: "Black Lives Matter" on farms, and and you know all people are human, and blah 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 blah, and on and on, and and so then you go to all these places, and guess what? I don't see anybody black doing anything other than menial jobs. You know? I'm like, what's going on here? I mean, in the South, you know, the doctors are black, lawyers are black, managers are black, you know, uh, restaurant hostesses are black. And although the Hilton Hotel did have uh, one black woman in the uh, in the at the front desk, and uh, there was a actually a really nice girl from Kampala, Uganda. Uh, who had been here for about six months, and she was the hostess at the uh, little restaurant. Nice, nice gal, nice lady. We had a good conversation and a real cutie pie, so I enjoyed that. Uh, but to, if, it's a beautiful area, just gorgeous. And uh, if you get a chance to see that and see Lake Champlain, it's worth going up there once. It's a direct flight from here to uh, to Plattsburgh, New York, which is on the western side, the New York side of Lake Champlain. Well, oh, don't go in there winter. No, don't go during the winter. <laughs> and summer's about six weeks long, so. Okay. Like the end of June till the middle of August after that. The kind of winters they have up there, I would think they all be very hostile. 
Well, you know what? They had all this rain this past uh, several weeks, and then it hit the uh, hit the Maritime provinces too. Nova Scotia got flooded, and uh, Montpelier, the capital of, of Vermont, was flooded last week. And we we saw some torrential downpours, kind of like Florida, where you'd have one or two hours of heavy rain, and then the squall would blow through, and the sun would come back. Yeah, but we have we have sewer systems ready for that, so. Oh, we got this big body of water called uh, the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. that absorbs a lot of that. But, you know, since Burlington is basically on a hill going down to the lake, it drains out pretty yeah, quickly. Probably, yeah. All right. Well, I'll put that on my vacation list. Yeah, it's worth saying. And Lake Ticonderoga is pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. Always wanted to go up there in the fall. Maybe I'll do it this fall. Yeah, that would be gorgeous, gorgeous. You should do that. Everybody should see that once in their lifetime. And since you tell Absolutely. me I'm dying here, you know, so. <laughs> well, well you, you're you getting closer. but <laughs> Well, the emphysema is going to help, so. <laughs> yeah, the emphysema. And, and, but your voice is still strong. I don't understand how you do it. Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't drink at all, Doc. Maybe that's why, because I don't drink at all. Well, that's how I fit in with the station. That's why they don't let me come in there very often. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm a bad influence. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to ask, ask you to leave from here. So, No, no. You know, it's a, it's the born-again station, and I'm the born-again uh, Heineken's guy. <laughs> At any rate, speaking of genetics, uh, there's a new study out of uh, one of the one of the groups in California uh, about cannabis and it uh, apparently it affects the epigenome, and if you don't know what an epigenome, I was going to ask you what is that? Yeah, epigenetics. The these are the environmental and and uh, different pressures around us that affect not the genetic material itself, but the way the genetic material is expressed. So you've got you know you've got the DNA inside your cell nucleus, and you've got the RNA which carries the message from inside the cell out to the, to the body of the cell where the real work is done. And, uh, and so it can affect this. And uh, although it's reversible, uh, it does seem to have some effect on, on uh, different functions of the body. We're talking about marijuana now, cannabis, uh, THC, whatever you want to call it. And so we don't know if it's going to trigger future, uh, generational uh, biomarker changes but in the present it looks like it can affect diseases like uh, schizophrenia manic depression uh, and it, it, like I've said all along it's a gateway drug and so now they have seen that it does affect your desire to want to move to heavier drugs or get hooked on other things like narcotics or uh, benzodiazepines and uh, always and chasing so- always chasing that better high yeah, and, and and these epigenetic changes are associated with uh, long-term cannabis use, and uh, and so now we know that things like cell proliferation and hormonal signaling, schizophrenia, bipolar, and substance abuse disorders are affected by it, and uh, it doesn't prove that it's going to be a permanent change in you because epigenetics can revert if you stop the uh, external stimulus, uh, the external pressure, like the, the abuse of uh, marijuana. But we don't know for sure because they haven't studied these people to see if they get off of the marijuana, what happens. So, you know, I've been saying this since the 60s and 70s, since medical school. This is a gateway drug. 
and uh, it triggers uh, the response uh, to move forward into full-blown schizophrenia and manic depression. What's the difference between medical marijuana and marijuana? Is there a difference? Medical marijuana is marijuana that you can get in Florida if you go to a doctor who has a license to prescribe it. And marijuana is that same medicine up in Burlington that you can go into any corner store that sells it. <laughs> okay. Get it. So there's, no, there's nothing. It's not bred in a different way to be medical marijuana. No. Now, there are some uh, some alkaloids like uh, uh, the SBD oil and things like that. And uh, we've used one of the alkaloids for a long time as an anti-nausea agent in cancer patients who are undergoing chemotherapy, but uh, these don't necessarily have the the uh, high effect that that the real marijuana has. And if you if you want to get hooked on marijuana in the in Florida, you have to go to a, spe- a specific doctor who gives you a prescription. Then you go to a specific locale. But out in Vermont, you can just go into any corner store that has a license to sell it, like alcohol and you can get it. Oh, it's a tax boon for the for the states that um, have legalized it. It's bringing in billions and billions every year. Yeah, and uh, of course they got a big bum problem, but I don't know what happens in the winter. Yeah, Lot, lots and lots of bums, schizophrenics sitting in the middle of the shopping districts, waving people away and talking to people that aren't there, and kind of sad, but that's the way it is. We've been talking about mental health here three yep. years. In 2023, that's the way it is. So at any rate, that's medical marijuana and marijuana and the epigenetics that uh, it has on on our system that changes. And again, epigenetics is a study of how your behavior and environment can cause changes that affect the way your genes work. Not something you want to be messing with, probably. No, and that's that's one of the reasons that I quit smoking marijuana back in the sixties <laughs> because I, I looked at my genetics and I said, "Wait a minute, I think I'm changing." <laughs> <laughs> and I started looking at myself in the mirror, and I didn't look like me anymore. Oh my goodness! Stop twisting them up, Doc. I'm telling you. And so, at any rate, <laughs> i I got all I got all straightened out, and all my genetic epitomes have reversed, and I'm I'm back to normal. Uh, which means I get kicked out of restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> not kicked out. Ask not to return. Ask not there, to There's return. a big difference between kicked out and asked not to return. There's a big difference. The cops usually are not involved when you're, you're asked not to return. <laughs> now, Ken, I want to make this clear, though. This is this is one thing that I think is really important. You know, we all came from the Kalahari Bushmen. You know that. Pretty much, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's you can trace the genetics right back to sub-Saharan Africa in the Kalahari Desert and the little Bushmen down there. And, you know, I think I look like one of those guys. <laughs> I do, really. But, I mean, you can see the diaspora out of there starting 130 to 170,000 years ago. And the, the first big diaspora was about 60 to 70,000 years ago. And it went around the Indian Ocean and down into the archipelago off of uh, – uh, uh, the Indian subcontinent and, and in Indo-China, you know, down in the Malaysian Peninsula. That's when the water levels were lower. And so folks made it across and they made it to Australia and then out into Pacifica. And uh, those are the Aboriginal Australians. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I what about the land know. bridge, though, across from Russia to Alaska? Would that have been open at that point, too? Yeah, that was, that was about... Uh, 
that was in the last ice age. So the people came across probably 20 to 30,000, maybe 15 to 20,000 years ago. And there might have been, uh, looks like there might have been two or three different groups that came across. The first group uh, populated uh, the uh, west coast of the United States, and then another group made it further down into the uh, into the uh, Mexico, Guatemala, and uh, Panama Canal area, and then down into South America. And then some of them went back north. Dang people, they won't sit still. <laughs> Too much humidity. We're headed back north. <laughs> back to Chicago. <laughs> well, I, I guess Chicago was fairly popular then because, you know, the Great Lakes, that must have been a great fishing and hunting area. Well, they had all your drinking water. So, yeah, I'll bet those areas were very popular back then. Yeah. A lot yeah. Of, most of the Chicago is an Indian word. Yeah, so is Milwaukee. Chicago means stinking, stinky onion, I think. Stinky onion. Speaking, I thought it was the babbling water or the speaking waters, but it's speaking something. Yeah. We don't know what it's speaking, but it's speaking. I mean, all these names, you know, uh, a lot of the names, even in Florida, are Indian or Indian derived, Ocala and Tampa. And you probably Miami. ran into some French words, I imagine, up in, uh, New H- in uh, Vermont there. Oh yeah, and it's very bilingual. By the way, they have uh, they have uh, menus and signs in both French and English. And uh, when we went to the Ethan Allen Museum, uh, there there were uh, not only French subtitles, uh, but you could also get uh, a little audio thing and stick it in your ear and and walk around and see the exhibits, and it would explain it to you in French. Now, French is the language of Montreal, right? That province. That's right. Quebec is is the French speaking. So what happened is the French came over and they they grabbed a big chunk of uh, Canada uh, back in the day and they explored that area. So Lake Champlain, that's a French name, and uh, you know they came down the uh, the Ohio and the Mississippi and all that, and uh, they had all that area and and the English took the lower area, which is what we know as the is the 13 colonies east of the Appalachians, and then west of the Appalachians was kind of a no-man's land. And then the, the, the French and the English got into it in the 1750s, uh, what they called the Seven Years' War. We call it the French and Indian War. And uh, the English won, and they booted the French out of North America. That was the end of the French in, involvement in North America. But uh, Quebec continued to speak French. It was settled by... Uh, by the French, and uh, they also taught that. Now, one of the reasons that we ended up not liking the Indian population and getting into scraps with them was that they sided with the French in the French and Indian War. Previous to that, there had been pretty friendly relationships, uh, but then the the, uh, Indians west of the Appalachians started saying, look, these white people are going to come over here and take our land. And uh, actually, in Massachusetts, everything had been pretty, uh, pretty peaceful and coexisting okay, and land rights were, were recognized. But uh, after the uh, French and Indian War, things got a little testy. And then the Indians, the Lake Indians, sided with the British in the Revolutionary War. And the, a lot of the tribes on the western side of the Appalachians, between the Appalachians and the Mississippi, they sided with the British. So... Then we were really pissed off. Yeah, we were we were upset at that point. We, we didn't like that, no, and that no. was the end of it. Hell with them. Put now, them is, is the, put them is, on reservations. 
now being a, in a Quebec, is, is, would that be the equivalent of saying the official language of Illinois is now Polish? You got it. You're, you can still vote. They still vote in the nation's capital. They're, they're Canadian citizens. They just, for some yeah. reason, kept the French heritage. But it's an official language of the of Quebec, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. The, Canada is a bilingual country. Mm. Okay. And, you know, Carter wanted us to be a bilingual country, Spanish and English. I kind of like Spanglish. <laughs> no. At any rate. So that's the story. I mean, that's that's history for, for this morning and medicine for this morning. And now let's move on to politics. Oh, we could spend an hour on that alone. Oh, yeah. So Janice Yellen was over there chit-chatting with the Chinese and bound and, and trying to, you know, make nice. And so now we've got to figure out how we're going to untangle our economy from theirs because they're so intermeshed, Ken. They're so intermeshed. The supply chains... Uh, the uh, manufacturing and uh, a lot of American companies are using the Chinese to manufacture goods cheaply. And the Chinese are selling a lot in this market over here and making investments in the United States. So how are we going to untangle this? Well, I think Janet Yellen wants to start utilizing uh, Southeast Asia, uh, the Vietnamese and the Cambodians. And I think uh, the Indian subcontinent were already We've been using uh, Bangladesh for a while uh, to manufacture clothing and goods, and, and and countries like Malaysia and Indonesia have been adding to it. But I think Indonesia is probably a little less uh, affluent than Malaysia, so there's more cheap labor there. And now the president's kissing up to uh, Prime Minister Modi of India, trying to get things going there. So it's going to take a while to untangle this all. You know, it's it's a big mess. I mean, it's hundreds of millions, hundreds of billions of dollars in trade a year back and forth. And uh, actually, uh, China is one of our biggest uh, trading partners that we export to. So uh, how we're going to do that, I don't know. But I think the first thing that the government is trying to do is to get people to stop investing in businesses in China. And a lot of that investment has gone away because people are worried. They don't know what's going to happen with the Chinese economy. It's, it's in a, it's in a slump right now. And uh, so we're looking at uh, the, the Vietnamese. Isn't it weird? I mean, 60, 50, 60 years ago, we were beating them up. We're dropping bombs on them. Yeah. Now we're, yeah, uh, that way, now we're going there. To now can we have that warehouse over there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah set up businesses and, you know, maybe we should just, here's an idea. Here's a novel idea. Why don't we bring everybody back to the U.S.? I know everything's going to get more expensive, but maybe the salaries will be, you know, better as well. Well, the problem is, is how do you disentangle uh, China's role in this global supply chain? Uh, the, well, it's going to be remember, gradual. Sure, it'll be slow. Yeah, it's going to be slow. And remember that, that we're going to have to keep them from, from taking over South China Sea because that's such a big shipping lane. And what they'll do is they'll start demanding, uh, you know, a tariff. Uh, there'll be a toll to go through there because they'll say, well, there are environmental impacts and, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're going through our area. And so now we're going to have to figure out how to keep them from doing that. Right now we're doing it with, with uh, one of our fleets, our Pacific fleets, that is cruising up and down that area, you know, kind of puffing up our chest and beating on it a little bit and, Chinese are flying their planes close to us and their ships and 
So we'll see what happens. We've been doing that with the Russians for 40 years. And it hadn't helped the Russians a bit. No, and it hasn't. It has, and we, and we haven't started a war. None of these things are just for show. They're just beating your chest. That's all. Look at what we can well, do. Well, let's hope. So, I mean, even us, we, we, um, we, didn't we surface like three nuclear submarines within like uh, the within visit, uh, visible area of China a couple of years ago? Yeah, we got to let them know we're there. Exactly. That's the same thing as flying a jet plane near us. Look what we got. Yeah, I mean, you know, one jet plane's not going to do a lot of damage. No, one but, nuclear sub can could take the east coast of China off the map. That's right, and we we surfaced three of them, and they had no idea they were there. I'm sure. Oh no, but we know where all the subs are because we've got such an extensive uh, uh, underwater sound system throughout the Atlantic and the Pacific and the Indian Ocean. And, you know, we have a base in Diego Garcia, too. Did you know that in the Indian Ocean? No, I didn't know that. No. Yeah. I mean, we used to. And I don't know if Joe gave it up or Obama or somebody. These guys are idiots. <laughs> However, it's interesting to me that even though these crazy Democratic presidents don't want to support the only democracy in the Middle East, which is Israel, the uh, the House of Representatives voted overwhelmingly, like 400 and something to 16 uh, in a show of support for Israel. Did you know that? No, but I'm glad to hear it. Who were the 16? <laughs> that was over 400. I mean, that's Democrats and Republicans, and the only people that, of course, didn't vote for it were the Muslims and ah, uh, oh, yeah, sure. the far left wing like AOC. Um, I don't know why the Muslims don't like the Jews, just because they kicked them out of their homeland. I mean, is that wrong? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that I mean, the fair is fair because they, they kicked the Jews out. Well, yeah. Oh, well. I mean, you know, <laughs> got their comeuppance, baby. What's the latest from Ukraine that you've been hearing? Oh, they're having troubles over there. You know, the uh, the uh, uh, the troops are running out of ammo because we're not giving them enough supplies. And, uh, of course, they've got a shortage of health care, I'm sure, at the front lines. Uh, but they're still keeping the Russians from moving forward. But the Russians are so deeply dug in. That's why they need those cluster bombs uh, so they can drop them on their on their positions and get them out. And uh, the I don't know what's going to happen with the Wagner group. Uh, one of the officers was interviewed by the BBC, and uh, he said that, he didn't even know that they were marching towards Moscow till they got to Rostov on the Don. He didn't know it was a mutiny. <laughs> he said <laughs> he just got an order to you know pack up or we're more marching, and so they started marching. And uh, I guess that Putin and and uh, Rogozin sat down and had a chit chat, and then that's when they backed down. But people were cheering them along the way. They met no resistance, and the the local police force and the local security people put down their guns and saluted them, the Wagner group. Well, that's not a good sign for Mr. Putin. No, no, it's not at all. And, uh, you know, they're having some more internal conflicts in Russia. It looks like Ukraines are holding together fairly well as a people. But if we don't supply them, if we don't shore them up, they're going to have a hard time winning this. It's going to become... Uh, you know, it's going to become another hundred-year war for the Russians and the and the Ukrainians, and uh, I don't think the Ukrainians can hold out without help from us. But well, they they haven't even gotten the F-16s yet. I don't know why it takes so long to train an F-16 pilot. But. Well, no, I could learn that in a couple of weekends. Take 
take the Sears course. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're using experienced pilots from Ukraine. They're just adapting to the F-16. And I'm not sure why it takes so long. But they are, now they're saying, last I read, it was going to be the end of the year before they get F-16s. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. I think part of it is that, like you said, they're afraid that uh, the Ukrainians will um, incur into Russian airspace. Well, I mean, that's going to happen anyway, for God's sakes. Come on. Yeah. What, yeah you put it, on the brakes when... Yeah, this is not a car, exactly. Yeah, yeah not like you're going to be able to stop it in 50 feet. As long as you don't drop a bomb in Russia, you're probably okay. Yeah, you just fly over and wave and come back. That's right, exactly. But it would uh, it would help their ground defensive tremendously if they could have the F-16s right now. And we're probably trying to adapt the uh, anti, uh, 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 anti-missile mechanisms for the current uh, family of Russian anti-plane missiles and anti-aircraft. I also heard we're going, they're, they're, they're starting to talk, threaten to blow up uh, Russian ships now again out in the Black Sea because uh, apparently Russia has pulled out of a grain deal. Yeah, and that was, I think, brokered initially by the by the Turks and now, and and also the uh, Horn of Africa was in on that because you know they rely so much on the grain exports from from the Ukraine and Russia. Mm, well, it could be a hungry winter for a lot of folks if they don't get that grain out of there. I don't even know how much they're growing this year. Maybe nothing. Not all of Ukraine is at war, so probably the rest of the country is okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll have to ask. Uh, I'll have to ask our guys that, that are doing the housekeeping at the office. They should know more. Like an understanding, he gets going, and I'm, I'm like, what? <laughs> Look at the time, Doc. Time for a question and a coffee break. Oh, my God. Give us a question, Ken. Here's today's question, folks. This is for uh, two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs, by the way. First caller at 877-969-8600 with the correct answer will win. Again, that's 877-969-8600. The question only about always about something that we talked about in the first half of the show, and today is no different. Today's question... Doc was asked to not return to an establishment when he was on vacation in Burlington because of his politics. What kind of establishment was that? Was it a bar, a store, a restaurant? You tell us. First question, first of all, answer for the question, right answer, gets a, a coffee mugs. It's 877-969-8600, and please call now. Ain't that right, Doc? That's right, and by the way, I think it was Robert last week that won. And, uh, Robert, I was out of town, so I'll, I'll get that in the mail to you this week, your mugs. Call now, folks, if you got the answer. Yeah, I'm Dr. Bill. We'll be right back. Here's the latest from the Answer News Center. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Voters are going to the polls in Spain today in a general election that could make the country the latest European Union member to swing to the political right. Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez called the early elections after his Spanish Socialist Workers' Party and its far-left partner took a beating in local and regional elections back in May. Sanchez has been premier since 2018. Some 19,000 people have been evacuated from the Greek island of Rhodes because of wildfires that continue burning for a sixth day on three fronts. The Ministry of Civil Protection says it's the biggest evacuation from a wildfire in the country's history. 16,000 evacuated by land, 3,000 by sea. 
And the polls have closed in Cambodia, where longtime Prime Minister Hun Sen's party has all but assured a landslide election victory in an election most consider to be a cheat. This is SRN News. Diabetes. AM860, the answer. Listen on our website, theanswertampa.com. 93.7 FM. W229DJ Dunedin. By downloading the Answer Tampa app or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of Can Care, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical, home of Can Care Clinic, offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727 384 When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour, only on AM860, The Answer. Today, we'll have intervals of clouds and sunshine with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. The high will be 91. Tonight, a thunderstorm response late. The low will be 81. Tomorrow, a thunderstorm around in the morning. Otherwise, intervals of clouds and sunshine. The high will be 87. Tomorrow night, turning out clear with a low of 79. Tuesday, partial sunshine with a thunderstorm response in the afternoon. The high will be 93. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Garrett Beck for AM860, The Answer. This is Dr. Bill. Are you there, Ken? I am here, sir. Oh, thank God. I thought I'd lost you. No, no. Never. I always got your back, Doc. Oh, good. Okay, good. I got bad news, though. You know, U.S. Uh, rate hikes have hit the yen, the, the Japanese dollar hard, but now it's staging a comeback right before we're going over there to, to buy some. Dang. <laughs> 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 so I'm, I'm hoping the Fed goes up another bump on the, uh, on the overnight uh, rate fund so that the yen will still be cheap when we get there because – I was thinking about doing some clothes shopping while I'm there. Sure, Doc. I'm sure all the Japanese won't mind waiting. You don't think they'll mind, do you? No, nah, they'll wait a month or a quarter, so, whatever it is. You know, my wife is complaining. I mean, you know, she's complaining a lot about different things. But every time she makes a, a purchase uh, or goes to a restaurant, there's now the, that thing on the uh, on the uh, on the 
credit card screen that says, how much do you want to tip, you know, 15, 18, 25%. And so why businesses can't stop asking for tips? Well, you know, one reason is they don't want to pay the, the, uh, the waiters and waitresses any more money. So they figure, well, let's push the tip end of it and they'll get their money that way. But uh, it's starting to get a lot of people upset. Yeah, it's everywhere now. It's everywhere. And I mean, uh, juice shops, appliance repair firms, uh, even plant stores are starting to ask for tips. So (laughs) if somebody helps you, if, you know, somebody does something for you over the counter or walks over to a shelf and picks up a plant and carries it for you, then they want another 18%. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Oh, I mean, basically, we're subsidizing, uh, once again, uh, the economy, uh, those of us who are affluent enough to go shopping. And so, I don't know. So, it's more reliant than ever on these tippings, and uh, I, don't, I don't know where it's going to end up. We're all going to go to the poorhouse. Well, we're going to get tipped over. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> so, but you're right. It's everywhere. Well, you can understand, though. I mean, if a lot of businesses are struggling, and uh, and these folks, they can't pay the, uh, they can't keep up with the inflationary rate unless they make some more money. So that, I mean, I always give them a tip. You know, the wife is complaining. I said, I just give it to them. What the heck, you know? But uh, if you're making minimum wage, you're not going to be able to support yourself in this economy. You can't do it, Ken. Not, not here, no. Especially in no, Florida, it's, it's it's just an impossibility. So, uh, I understand it, but uh, it seems like a backdoor way of of uh, of adding to your income. Kind of sneaky, don't you think? Plus, you can probably pocket that and not pay taxes on it. Well, it is kind of sneaky when you consider I'm the guy who got I got to get in my car and drive all the way over to your place and hand you money for the pizza. What have yeah. you? I know you used to cook it. For the same thing, for no tip. Now, why should I be giving you a tip now? Just because you don't want to pay your people more? Yeah, because you don't want to pay your people more. I mean, you know, uh, Domino's and Papa John's and everybody, they're they're trying to uh, save money. So they let you pay the the, uh, the fare for the employees. So basically, you're subsidizing their, their the employees' wages. And, uh, and then I'm sure that there's some tax cheating going on, so... <laughs> Probably, yeah. With tips, it could very well be. So then those of us who are paying taxes are making up the shortfall from those who are not paying taxes. Now, if you, bring, if you bring the pizza to me, I'm happy to tip you. And you know what? And, and uh, if, you're, if you're not paying taxes and I'm paying your taxes, I'm tipping you twice. There you go, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, it's a tough business. That's a tough it, job. It's a tough job, and it's a, it's you know it's a it's a tricky economy. You have to kind of walk it carefully. Is there not enough? Are we still having an employee problem getting uh, people to work? Because I've been going in a lot of places, and there just seems to be nobody there to help you. I went into a fast food restaurant. They said ring the bell because they were. <laughs> it was, no, I'm not kidding. It was a ring the bell at the counter because they, everybody everybody was dry, going through the drive through. Oh yeah, so just well, not enough employees to handle everything. Well, we 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 drove out to Stowe, uh, which is a, a cute little town, and there's a ski resort out, out in that area. It's about an hour drive from uh, Burlington in Vermont, 
and uh, we went and hiked up to a little waterfall, which was beautiful, just gorgeous. Uh, and then we came back down and we went to a little hotel in Stowe and we went into the restaurant. And they said, oh, you're our first luncheon uh, customers in four, three or four years. We're like, what? What, what happened? They said they couldn't find any employees to work. They could not find any employees to work. Now, I could understand during the pandemic, but, you know, the pandemic's been over, what, a year and a half, two yeah, years? Now there should be enough people out there, yeah. But And uh, the, the people they had working there, uh, they, they had black hostess and black waitress, waitresses, and uh, she was from Jamaica, and she just came over our waitress to make some money. Nice gal, uh, you know, very intelligent and uh, very committed and dedicated, did a good job, can't complain. Gave her a big tip. <laughs> My wallet was thin. <laughs> well, good for you. any rate, so I think that there is a, still a shortage of, of workers, but it, I think it's getting better, too. You know, it, it takes time after after a big event like this pandemic to straighten things out. And, of course, when you got idiots running the economy – uh, it, it, I mean, you know, they were behind the curve, way behind on on this inflation. Remember when Janet Yellen said, "Oh, we don't think there's any real inflation." <laughs> like, oh yeah, that, I know. Yeah, that, she obviously hasn't gone shopping in decades. Somebody <laughs> does it for her, you know. She's probably got uh, a black uh, housekeeper that does everything for her, and a black chauffeur, and everything else. But at any rate. So the Biden administration has now uh, unveiled a new regulatory proposal. Did you hear about this? No. What do they want to regulate now? Now they want you to get rid of your traditional hot water heater and go to a hybrid one, which is kind of like a heat pump. You know, it's an air conditioner in reverse instead of taking the uh, the cold, uh, the heat out of your house and, and pumping in the cold. This takes the cold out of your water and pumps in the heat. So. That's what I put in. Uh, one of my friends said, oh, you got to put this in. This will help cool down your garage because it spits out cold air. Really hadn't done a lot for the garage. But uh, it probably has saved us a few bucks because uh, it, it's uh, a heat pump. And uh, in that respect, it should use less energy. So now the Biden administration is saying that they want to implement a mandatory uh, replacement. So when you go to put in a new hot water heater you got to put in a hybrid which cost about two to three times as much as a regular hot water heater of course well the price will probably come down if there's mass production but uh it'll never be as cheap no as a water heater no because you know you with a water heater you've got an element or a gas heater very simple technology that's right yeah and a tank and uh and i took out a beautiful uh traditional hot water heater now, I don't know how the uh, Instahots play into this. You know, those are the little boxes that uh, heat the water as it goes through the coils on demand, uh, demand hot water. I don't know if they'll be allowed to stay or not, but uh, I guess the Biden administration doesn't like us using electricity. And uh, Well, you better stop making electric cars then. Well, yeah, and how about rolling blackouts? When's that going to start? Yeah, exactly. Dang, there's, only, there's only so much electricity to go around, folks. I know. And if we don't start producing it by uh, atomic energy or some other uh, means other than, you know, putting these stupid uh, solar panels up everywhere and windmills, you know, there were some windmills up in uh, up in Burlington area 
They weren't even turning, Ken. I was like, how the hell are you going to generate power if there's no action here? Yeah, you would think they'd be running whenever the wind is blowing, day or night. Well, you know, they were trying to recruit some mice to to get on a little <laughs> treadmill on a belt, but they weren't interested. I worked at radio stations that were powered that way. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Long time ago. At any rate, Biden says this is going to save uh, people billions of dollars. I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Uh, we've probably saved a little bit, but I don't know that it's made a, a big impact. And I don't know how long it's going to take to recoup the the $1,200 that it costs this uh, it costs for this uh, hybrid hot water heater. And then, of course, I had to go out and buy PVC and glue, and it took me two or three hours, and I had to have a guy help me do it. It's not a difficult situation, but you know you get to the, you get to a certain age, and it's kind of hard to move around something that heavy without some help. Plus, the installation is more complicated. A simple water heater is easy. This so. was pretty easy too. I mean, it was all it, it was all just basically hooking things up. The only extra hookup was you have to have a drain line going outside because it's uh, you know it's a uh, an air conditioner, and you know air conditioners they. They create moisture and the moisture and you have a drip pan and you got the drip line going out and uh, you have to have that. So I had to run a little extra line outside the garage and I haven't heard any neighbors complain. Thank God. Well, that's the first time I've heard of this thing. So I'll have to uh, look into it. Yeah. And uh, you better do it before Joe gets you. (laughs) (laughs) He might make you go to prison or something. I don't know. Well, I think I have a heat pump already for the winter. That's how we get our heat. So. Well, that's a good thing. I'm halfway there. And then, as we heard on the news a few minutes ago, Spain's going to the polls today in the heat of the summer. This is unusual for them. And they've got a, a real big divide between the left and the right. And it looks like the right's going to win. Hmm. You know, the left had implemented a lot of social changes that, of course, nobody can pay for. <laughs> it sounds so good on paper, you know? It does. It sounds wonderful. It's very caring and very empathetic. Yeah, you know, and it's like let's include everybody, and you know, let's get woke, and uh, let you know, Black Lives Matter and Green Lives Matter, and yeah, but yeah. you know what? Not all lives matter, Ken. I mean, there are some people that just do not deserve to be out in the general public. Oh yeah, we call them prisoners. Yes, we call them criminals. We call them uh, people with mental illnesses, and uh, they're just causing havoc, wreaking havoc on on our society. You're not advocating killing them, though. Let's make that clear. Let, let, let me let me say this emphatically. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you an out there, Doc. <laughs> oh, my God. The radio station will be called Monday morning. You got to get this guy off the air. He's a whack job. <laughs> no, we're just talking about mental health care. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, we're just talking about mental health care. And I mean, it, there's different ways to provide it. And I, I don't know what's most effective, but um, I guess we could just spray some antipsychotics into the uh, drinking water and <laughs> see how that works. Everybody Settle everybody walks. down, huh? Okay. Yeah. yeah remember, you remember uh, uh, Prozacville? Did you ever see those little smiley faces? That yeah. Sound? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was where, where they put Prozac in all the water. That's right. <laughs> Everybody was happy. <laughs> I think so, you're onto something now, Doc. Yeah, yeah, I think It'll so. It'll get cut down on the road rage and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So at any rate, the Spaniards are going at it. 
and uh, you got to love it. And uh, the world is splitting. I mean, it is really the Western world anyway is is really splitting. It's it's a fascinating thing to see. I, I don't know what uh, is going to happen. It, it, it's curious to me that that it's taken this long to get there. But I guess people, it takes a while for people to see. You know, they don't they don't jump onto things initially. They say, oh, let's give it a try and see what happens. Well, nationalism, uh, nationalism is growing around the world. Yeah, I think that, uh, and I don't think it's xenophobia. I think it's just, uh, you know, the self-preservation. And like I said before, you, you can say that uh, bias is a bad thing or, or having some biases are bad things. But if you don't have some filters, when, when someone who's not in your tribe comes marching in with a spear and, uh, you know, a, a stone axe, if you don't have a little luck, and if you don't have a little suspicion there, you better you better check it because you're not going to last very long. So we, we've got to use our common sense and say, look, yeah, the Chinese are people, and I'm sure they're nice, but their government is not necessarily interested in seeing us survive. And so we have to use our filters. We have to use – it's not racial bias. It's just uh, – it's, it's, it's not a prejudice. It's, it's just national a, defense. It's 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 a human filter. It's a, an innate genetic filter to protect yourself from being destroyed by somebody from the outside. I mean, you know, come on, don't be an idiot. Can only trust them so far. Yeah, and I think this goes back to the vote in the House, which, by the way, was four hundred and twelve to nine uh, for in favor of uh, supporting the Israelis, uh, and uh, the nine that didn't vote called. The, the Israeli state, a righteous state. And of course, the democratic hierarchy made them walk that back. And then I saw where a long time uh, New York uh, politico, he, he switched from Democrat to Republican, Jewish side of the family. Uh, but he said he'd had enough of this anti-Israeli, uh, anti-Jewish sentiment within the, the Democratic Party. And uh, you, you can't blame him. I mean, you know, you, you've got to back your, your tribe, and, and uh, if your tribe is Jewish and there's a Jewish state that is protecting that tribe, you better well back them, you know? And if that Jewish tribe and Jewish state is friendly to us and is a democracy like like us or somewhat like us, then we need to back them, Ken. We need to— Well, especially uh, when they're situated right there in the Middle East. I mean, it, we need people there. Yeah, I mean, you know, the city of Carter got us into this 100-year war there. And so now what are you going to do? you got to have a beachhead somewhere. I mean, people say, well, no, we're not fighting in the Middle East. Yeah, we are. We're still in Syria. Yeah, <laughs> we, we still have troops in Iraq, quietly. <laughs> we're still we're still involved, Ken. I know. I know. And as I predicted in the late 70s, when the idiot Carter walked away from the Shah, I said, oh, my God, we'll be at war in the Middle East in 10 years. And we were. And I said in the 1990s, this is our 100 years war. Now, fortunately, the 100 years war uh, was not a constant battle uh, scene. It was limited excursions that the British or the English and the French fought. And the English actually won the war, but never went over and took any French land. So I'm not quite sure what the whole purpose of it was. <laughs> kind of a waste <laughs> of time, wasn't it? What? <laughs> What's this all about? <laughs> So just skirmishes, but we are in the Middle East, and don't let anybody tell you differently. And don't, yeah, and uh, you know, one of my friends who's an ex-Marine who who uh, still has buddies in the Marines because he graduated from the Naval Academy and he came out a captain. 
he said that uh, if you remember a few years ago that we were shelling and we killed some Russian soldiers. <laughs> Whoops, they got in the way. Yeah. But we were that, that was in Syria. We were shooting big, you know, long range, 20, 30 mile guns. Kaboom. And of course, we have huge facilities still in Saudi Arabia that we're not. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Sauds are struggling because they're not quite sure if uh, the United States is trustworthy. And and there's a lot of the debate within the United States because people are saying who who lost loved ones in 9-11 are saying don't do business with the uh, with the Sauds because some of the Sauds were back in the terrorists, which is true. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, even Saudi Arabia, I'm sure they have factions within within the country. And uh, and I think the new crown prince, he he's not real, real hip on the United States. He wants to kind of make peace in the Middle East there and kissy huggy up with the Iranians and make sure they don't come in and take over. Uh, but they'll, of course, turn to us when they get into trouble. That'll be the big one when they when the Iranians and the Saudis start going at it. Yeah, yeah, and we hopefully we won't have that because that could turn nuclear in a in a in a flash, and then Israel will be involved because the Iranians will accidentally drop a few nukes on them or try to. Yeah, at that point we really really have to worry about the Middle East much anymore after that. And back in the uh, '60s and '70s, the long range thinkers were saying the the uh, the next atomic war is going to be in the Middle East. So that's that's been a great concern. Uh, to the forward planners and thinkers. And uh, I guess that they saw that, that communism and Russia would end. And uh, that's why we didn't go as forcefully in it as we should have, in my opinion, uh, with the Cuban Missile Crisis and, and some of the other uh, challenges that came up uh, against the communists in the 60s and 70s. Uh, I guess the trajectory was that it would collapse on itself. And it did. Uh, but I don't see that happening in the Middle East anytime soon. No, that's going to be an ugly one. That's going to be yeah. ugly. And, and, you know, Carter opened the door. Uh, he said, uh, we can't stop the, the Muslim fund, the Islamic fundamentalist movement. Uh, and, and I disagree with that. We could have. Uh, the Shah could have held on to power and, and changed his ways, but implemented new reforms and quit being so extravagant. But, you, you know, you, you can't blame the people living out in the country. They see this guy. I mean, they're subsistence living, and here's this guy inviting, uh, you know, 10,000 people to a birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good optics, That's as they a say. little overboard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're going to – if you got money and you don't want people to know that you're blowing it on stupid stuff, especially if it's their money that you're taking, keep it quiet. Yeah, don't put it on television. Yeah, and don't put it on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a uh, we're still there, and that is uh, all still a very volatile situation. And oh, you add volatile. that with if you add that with Ukraine and Taiwan, and it's it's a volatile world. But I think that we're going to be okay, Ken. Uh, I, th- I think that the world is is still afraid of, of us enough, and it looks like um, if. Uh, Things go on the present tra- trajectory. I think Trump's going to be back in, and whether or not he really does stand up to foreign powers, or whether he just is a blunder and bluffs, they still are afraid of him. So, <laughs> Either way, that's right. Either way, I don't care. You know, and you, you, may, you may say his personality is not the best for a president, but hell, it worked. That's right. 
It worked. We didn't. So. We didn't hire you for personality. So. No, we don't care about your personality. Doc, we got about thirty seconds left here, buddy. We got thirty seconds, and I'm Doctor Billy, Radio MD. We're at seven two seven three eight four six four one one seven two seven three eight four six four one one. We got telemedicine. We got in office visits at six three nine nine thirty eighth Avenue North. And I'm going to change the format for the telemedicine. I'm morphing over to Zoom. So Good for you. Change all that. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for watching and listening. Take care, Doc. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at CanCareClinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.